0: Hi everyone and welcome to this month's podcast. This month we're talking about tax. The perfect people to talk to us about that are Titus Mukora and George Wero from PwC. Titus is a partner in the tax department and head of transfer pricing for Africa. And George is an advisory partner and head of restructuring and insolvency uh, for East Africa. So welcome guys. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you you for having me. I am so
0: honored to have you guys and I know this is going to be a very good podcast. Both of you are lawyers. You started off your careers in law. I want to know why law and then why not law? So go ahead, Titus. Okay,
1: so for me, I think I would say it's a process of elimination. You know, I was probably not very strong in maths and sciences and so engineering and medicine was out of the question out of the window yes so the the default then became law yeah so yeah and i think a lot of lawyers are probably arrived at their career
0: that way way. george
2: yeah unlike Titus, i was actually quite good with maths and uh, and physics so (laughs) i think i ended up doing law because of my dad's my dad's influence yeah he wanted me to do something something different from accounting which i'd already done Before joining uni.
0: Yeah. And where
1: did you do your pupillage, uh, Titus? So I did my pupillage at uh, Kaplan and Stratton. And that time, yes, a very prestigious law firm. And uh, that time it was uh, located in the CBD, Queensway House. and then opposite us was um, in Lonro House was Daily and Figgy, so we all used to sort of congregate at one of the restaurants downstairs yeah. and that, yeah. so it was a really uh, great time of my career and a great place to start my career.
0: Yeah,
2: and George? Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that because <laughs> I actually didn't do any pipilage. Uh My dad calls me a school dropout because I didn't finish my law qualification. Yeah. And look where you
0: are! and look where you are now of Transfer Pricing, um, Head of Restructuring for East Africa. Tell us a bit about your practices. Tell us, Titus, what is Transfer Pricing and how do you help companies? Yeah, so, Transfer Pricing, I mean,
1: just to put it simply, is basically looking at how companies pay tax. in the uh, So, companies within a group of companies, within a multinational, and how do they pay tax in their own country? Um, Okay. So, you're trying to determine sort of what should be the right tax that that every company within a group should pay in their country. And that's because there are a lot of transactions between those group companies that can affect the level of tax that you would pay in one individual.
0: So tax, not tax avoidance, but tax. Well, what what is the right word? It's
1: it's, it's very interesting because um, when you say tax avoidance, um, because I find, you know, whenever you're sort of dealing with some say policy makers and even people from the revenue authority, um, there's this kind of tendency to conflate transfer pricing and, tra- and and tax avoidance. Yeah. I have done so much to try and say that it has nothing to do with tax avoidance but no we still keep coming back,
0: back to the same machine <laughs> to the same yeah. Issue. yeah. But
1: it's it's really has nothing to do with tax avoidance it's the reality. It's the reality and I, I I give the example of say you know a car manufacturer you know um if you take a car the the seat covers the the spark plugs the steering the doors, they're all manufactured in different countries yeah. different companies mm-hmm. and then they have to be brought together and put together you know that's the reality you then have to determine what each company the one that supplies the spark plug the car, the, the leather seats the, yeah. the side mirrors you have mm-hmm. to determine what each of those companies should earn
0: and how much tax they should pay
1: it's just the reality of the
2: business
0: okay cool and George restructuring
2: yeah so, so restructuring is, is basically I, I try to to help businesses that are going through distress and that covers the whole spectrum from you know trying to identify or diagnose the real issues which are causing them to be in distress trying to come up with strategic options about what they need to do to come out of the distress all the way to the end of the spectrum of you know kind of like uh helping to lay to rest you know businesses that uh, just can be revived yeah so you can think about it in the context of, of, of a patient you know you go to a doctor you do a diagnosis that's in the context of what I do is a business review, you go through a surgery, in the context of what I do is, is restructuring, and ultimately if, if you don't recover then you go to the morgue, so that's probably where liquidation uh, then comes in. So about...
0: I, like the, I like these analogies, okay. Titus has come with his car analogy, George with his body and hospital analogy, thank you for that, I think that, that's what we're going to be doing
1: today. Mind, I'm <laughs>
0: <laughs> very true very true and I think that's what that's what we want we want to have a discussion about uh, tax in a way that simplifies it and gives examples to people so that they know exactly what we're talking about because it can be very dry and technical and or at least the perception is and so we want to be able to disseminate that. Just tell us, Titus, one thing about yourself no one knows. Um, I don't know if
1: there is anything that nobody knows, but. Uh,
0: there must be. <laughs> there must be. <laughs> really
1: struck your head. But I think one thing people probably don't, only people who were with me when I was much younger would, would know this, but I used to be in the school orchestra. But
0: really? I was a
1: very kid, small kid. And I used to play the violin then.
0: Oh my God. So, but. Uh, How I, cute.
1: I would not be able to, to play anything on it right now. Well, that's probably one of the things people don't know about.
0: That's a, that's a nice one. Yeah, it's a nice
1: one. I uh, I think people think I'm a bit rough and stuff like that. So when I say that, <laughs> then, uh, you know, people can't put the two together.
0: No, no, no. Titus, people think you're a gentleman. Oh? George?
2: <laughs> no, coincidentally, and, and I think that probably quite a number of people who are in school with me would know. I, I used to sing in the Christian Union. But uh, yeah, maybe the one that probably many people in the in the professional scope don't know is that I actually started my professional career in, in Ghana. I spent three years.
0: Seriously, there. how what was that like, West Africa?
2: That was fantastic. The yeah. food is great.
0: <laughs> Better than in how Kenya. How fantastic!
2: They have a lot more diversity
0: than India. <laughs> <do> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think Kenya is known for its uh, cuisine. So yeah, I agreed on that. Cool, that's very cool, George. Thank you for that, and thanks Titus for that as well gotten to know you guys a bit and now I want to talk about the real bones and the crux of our our discussion today which is the, the Kenya budget. Obviously in June the budget was announced and there are various changes that came about as a result of that. And I think, Titus, for you, the first question is, uh, the, the June budget was very focused on revenue raising so that the government can meet its um, aim of raising $1.7 which is what they've said. What are those changes and can you explain to us in very simple terms what they mean?
1: So uh, one thing I should say is that as compared to, say, for example, the last year's finance bill, this year's finance bill didn't have measures that were directly related to trying to raise their tax revenue. I think we've sort of run out of headroom around that if you look at the tax changes this year they're more related to say some international tax issues and also related to tax administration changes so some of those tax administration changes that they're looking at is one they're looking at extending the period in which they can go back and audit taxpayers so what we call the prescription period okay um, which is currently five years but they are trying to extend that to seven years i think i just saw today the document from the financial Committee uh, in Parliament, and I think that's going to be rejected. So, which is which is a great thing for taxpayers because you know in today's day and age, you know people move around so much that to try and have that kind of institutional memory that goes back seven years—it's
0: it's too long. It's too long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: five years is really right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know one of the things we are saying is you know if care is being inefficient, that they should be penalized for that, not
0: not the taxpayer. Not the uh-huh. taxpayer. Which is fair, yeah. Which is Mm -hmm. fair. Mm -hmm.
1: So some other administration changes relate to tax credits, and so there's all this movement towards limiting sort of how tax credits are being used. Okay, okay. I mean, one of those was saying um, that you know, first the commissioner can would have to audit those tax credits and then secondly you would only be able to sort of set them off from the period when the commissioner has notified the taxpayer that those credits are now available okay so all of this is to try and limit the application of credits towards your tax payments and basically increase some of the cash flows and bring the cash flows up front even if you're going to use those tax credits down the line. so it's those kind of administrative changes that they're Mm -hmm.
0: looking at okay so i think you've said very important and things you said that the government has kind of capped itself in terms of revenue raising directly. So, what they're trying to do is limit the ability for you to get any credits for money that you should be paying to them in tax indirectly. So, you're saying the focus is more on indirect rather than direct taxation measures? Yes, mm-hmm. yes,
2: yes. So, so, so more indirect, uh, yeah, tax measures. yeah. So. So I was just about to jump on, on, on a point that uh, that has made, okay, which cool. I think we'll leave and on it will even resonate with you on, on the seven years versus five years in yeah. terms of the look back. You know how difficult it is when we are trying to negotiate transactions. Of course, and, and people are trying to to get you know warranties,
0: warranties and indemnities on tariffs yeah. put forward mm-hmm.
2: for, for because of a five-year period. Mm. So it's it's quite good to hear that uh, that may not go through. That, yeah, that was that was a yeah. big problem from a deals perspective. Benji. Of course, for
0: Jerry is getting involved. In a yes. Property. Just so that we can finish off this point, um, Titus, tell us about the difference between the new taxes that have been bought yeah. in, as opposed to that now um, indirect taxation that you're that you're referring to.
1: So on the digital services tax, mm-hmm. um, which is something obviously that has generated a lot of interest, mm-hmm. I think one of the big changes in this year's finance bill is that it will only apply to non residents which is a fantastic thing because you can imagine that you would then have sort of two regimes for resident companies, a resident company that's going through the normal corporate taxation, and one that when it falls within sort of the ambit of DST, it's being taxed on the DST level. Now, what's the big difference? The big difference is a DST is a turnover type tax. So if you're making losses, it doesn't matter, you're still paying taxes. While with your normal companies, you know, if you're making losses, you're not gonna be paying any corporate taxes, but, but there's another tax called minimum but let's put that aside for a second now what's what's the issue here the issue here with digital companies the the big issue with digital companies is that they make losses for a very long time and they can have very huge turnovers so you know you could look at some of the global e-commerce giants whose turnovers are in the hundreds of billions of dollars mm-hmm. but are still loss making. Mm-hmm. So if you were to go then apply a turnover type tax, then you have, you know, significant problem because you actually then pay a lot of taxes Yeah, you're not really actually making the money. Yeah. So the first thing to say is that DST has now been limited to non-residents as it rightly should. So that's number one. Number two, what they've tried to do with DST is also sort of expand its definition because the current definition is is about a digital marketplace platform and what happened was that you know the carry went out and said oh you know if you know if you're doing anything to do with the internet you're gonna be taxed and that wasn't true it was very limited to platforms people who have a platform who put buyers and sellers together together yeah and Mm -hmm. that's a very limited sort of uh,
0: so is it affecting online lending
1: no because there you know it shouldn't have because there you're doing your own business okay fine you're not bringing someone in his business together from another part
0: okay I I think that's a very important clarification that I I don't know if many people know so it's only affecting those people bringing customers and together on a platform and if you're not resident in Kenya yes okay (laughs)
1: okay
0: <laughs> however, okay. however, the changes
1: in these years was, mm-hmm. was to try and broaden it from just platform and to say, you know, kind of anyone who's doing, and I've seen even in the finance committee, some of the changes they're saying is electronic services, internet. Mm-hmm. So that they're adding the words electronic services and internet to the word Platform okay, and expand that, yeah. But the problem with that is, you see, you know, everybody does everything Who on doesn't. the internet,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, the internet
1: is so ubiquitous, yeah. So, which business is this that's not on the internet, yeah, or not doing electro something electronic? Mm-hmm. Which one is that? So it's actually adding. For me, it's having a lot of confusion Okay. Um, because I think it should have been just more specific and more narrowed down to something. Uh, because, for example, and I'll just give you a quick example on this one. There are probably, what, one billion internet sites or even a hundred billion internet. Mm-hmm. And if you, Jerry, decide to go to a site in Hong Kong and purchase something, do you think that site in Hong Kong will start saying, oh, well, and I have to pay tax in Kenya yeah. because yeah. one person in Kenya <laughs> decided to go buy something from that? No they would so you see you've got to have some cutoff uh, around this year people you know I may you know you may have uh, you may be sitting in Japan or you may be sitting in Hong Kong and have an internet business and uh, you are not trying to attract people from Kenya to that business but someone from Kenya comes and starts buying from that that person is not necessarily going to succumb themselves to the ambit of the Kenyan tax. Yeah,
0: and how will the KRA get to them anyway if they're based in Singapore and exactly. only have one customer in Kenya? Exactly. So you can only sort
1: of have influence and impact on more a company that's having a regular business coming out of. Kenya. Okay. Okay. And then you know, then you can say, listen, we're going to switch you
0: off if you if you if you don't pay the taxes. If you yeah. don't pay the tax. Yeah. You talked about online platforms or online businesses, digital businesses, not having a turnover despite having a very broad base. And I'm sure you, we know which companies you're talking about. Isn't that a transfer pricing issue?
1: No, I mean, um, so it's a business issue because you find that the business strategy of these sort of uh, platform companies is uh, to increase market share. That is what is happening. The driver. That, that is the, drive. the growth strategy, mm-hmm. the growth mm-hmm. strategy. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. market share, market share, market share. It's not profit, profit, profit. And they are very well capitalized and financed by, you know, you would know the venture capitalists. Yeah,
0: PE funds. And mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. To be
1: able to, to to go for market share at mm-hmm. the expense of profitability. Mm-hmm. But when that profitability kicks in, it's massive profitability, whether it's 20 years from now yeah. mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So that's not a transfer pricing issue it is a business strategy issue and if uh, if you were then to start talking about transfer pricing um yes locally you could start having transfer price some some sort of transfer pricing issues but it's primarily the sort of strategy that that these businesses have we had actually someone in our PwC budget breakfast uh, yeah. um, from from one of these companies and he said that and he was pretty clear that Businesses, these online platform companies, we would be doing a great service to the Kenyan ones if the Kenyan ones were to be in the DST ambit, if we didn't take into account that that's the business strategy. So what it is, it's you try and bring the goods to your, the way you compete with the physical retail businesses by being much cheaper
0: Yeah. Than mm-hmm. you're going
1: to buy. And much cheaper means you're gonna make losses, but you get them.
0: But you get the market share. So it's a different strategy. Okay. Yeah. So I think we've covered a lot of ground in a, in a very short space of time. I want to also talk about VAT and the noise that's been made about that. Can you explain that issue and how the June budget um, is affecting the VAT? Yeah. And It's on foreign investment that people have been questioning. Yeah. So there are
1: two things about VAT. So VAT is an issue around what is called export of services, right? And on export of services, what happens is that if I provide a service from Kenya to, say, someone sitting in Uganda, I am not going to charge them VAT, obviously, because, you know, they are in Uganda, they can't recover that to the VAT, and those guys in Uganda are not in the Kenyan jurisdiction yes. to start paying mm. VAT. Yes. There's nothing there. They're not enjoying the services of Kenya to be able to pay the VAT. So this is what we call exported services, and exported services are usually zero-rated. Well, the problem from a KRA perspective, the way they look at it is, the problem of a zero-rated uh, uh, export of service, it allows the company to claim his input VAT as credits. You, know, you can go to the carrier and now say, you know I, I purchased all these services, I paid rent, I paid commercial rent, I paid all these things, there was VAT. Uh, give me back this VAT that I've paid. Now, what they want to do is say, when you export your services, you're actually not zero rated; you're exempt. Yeah. Which means you're still not charging VAT. But when once you put it in the exempt category, it means that all this VAT that you're incurring on rent, on electricity, and whatever, you no longer can go to the government and ask them to mm-hmm. refund it
0: to. Yeah, yeah. So it
1: becomes a cost of the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about foreign investments, as you know, in in Nairobi there are a lot of sort of regional offices. Yes a lot of regional work, and these regional offices, how do they they, uh, earn any revenue? They charge their head offices for, or charge other companies within the group, they charge them a fee for providing those services. And when they charge that fee, they charge it at uh, zero rated. It's a zero rated, but it still allows those companies, those regional offices that are sitting here to be able to claim back the VAT that they've incurred. And once you put them in exempt, that VAT that they've incurred becomes a cost. The whole location of Nairobi as a location for regional offices and service providers and everything becomes.
0: I think what you can explain is what's the difference between zero rating and exempt? Wouldn't someone think that it's the same thing?
1: Yeah so zero rated means you are paying VAT but at a zero rate. Yeah. Because you are still paying VAT it allows you to claim the VAT that you uh incurred yeah. on your supplies. Yeah. To you it means you're still in the VAT sort of highway. Yeah. Yeah. When you're exempt, you're exempt from paying VAT. So you're not in the VAT highway. Yeah. So anything you incur, any costs you incur which are which are VAT are your own costs.
0: Okay, so you can't claim them back, you basically. Can't claim them because you're not in the VAT space, okay, I understand. So mm-hmm. it's the same
1: way when you go to the supermarket and buy goods, you're not registered for VAT. Mm-hmm. You're not on the VAT highway. So whatever VAT you incur, it will be a cost to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once you're on the VAT highways, in the sense I make supplies uh, which are vatable. Yeah. They are vatable, but they are vatable at zero percent. It means I am
0: allowed to claim to claim back. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. So I think that's an important distinction. So now we've talked about changes in indirect taxation, we talked about VAT. A lot of people on the face of it will look at the June budget and see changes in taxation, but not understand the impact on a day-to-day basis. Even if we don't see things day-to-day, the reality is that there's an increased borrowing from the government looking to the World Bank, IMF, and all of those um, lenders. And that has an impact, a long-term impact on us. And a lot of people see this uh, growing debt burden and don't understand that it will have to be repaid at some point. Are we not concerned about that? So, first
1: disclaimer: I'm not a macroeconomist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we can call Dr. Wagasha for that.
1: <laughs> this is an area I tread very carefully uh, because um, I don't have. Uh, I'm, I'm not a specialist in this area. But number two, well, some of the statistics I probably would provide is that 10 years ago, in 2012-2013 we were collecting in terms of taxes we were collecting 700 billion shillings in taxes 10 years later we are collecting twice as much we are collecting now 1.7 trillion or 1.6 trillion or whatever yeah
0: mm-hmm. so
1: one also has to understand that the, obviously the economy has grown so what we were borrowing it so the capacity to borrow has also increased although one could also say our capacity to spend has increased even much at a much, yeah. at a much greater rate Yeah. and obviously in, in 10 years ago, a new constitutional dispensation came into place, which put into to effect um, a much higher spending requirement, especially with the devolution. In yes. yeah. and, and also, there was also just some of the constitutional commissions and all sorts of commissions that have come up and a much greater expanded parliament yeah. mm-hmm. and so forth.
0: And parliamentary so, costs.
1: And parliamentary costs. And a much more expanded judiciary yeah. and so forth. So, our spending requirements have significantly increased but also the economy has grown and literally has more than doubled over the period. So our capacity to borrow has also increased. So I think for me, what I would say is that in terms of that area is that I think the jury is still out as to the sustainability of that. Yeah. I think, you know, some of the key multilateral organizations appear to feel that that the levels are sustainable but usually you know with these things they're sustainable until they're not yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and you never see that coming and with this you know it's always there are always risks in the horizon there are risks because you know half of this public debt is is denominated in foreign currency yes so that in itself is a risk Mm -hmm. there are sort of indications that you know the u.s dollar may strengthen in the coming months yeah as interest Increase in the US, and then there would be an outflow into the US because they would have higher interest rates, so more money would go back to the US. Yeah, so those are a bit of headwinds. If interest rates again increase in the US, it means our exposures also will
0: increase. and our borrowing is higher. You know,
1: our borrowing is higher, mm-hmm. our interest expenses mm-hmm. will increase, mm-hmm. and you know. That is the current sort of headwind that we have is that the spending that has happened globally, but particularly in the US, where they've injected trillions of dollars in the economy they would they'll have to pull that back through increase of interest rates, especially if there is any inflationary pressures in the US, that might have to be pulled back with an increase yeah. of rate. Yeah. And if that happens, that could portend some risks to Kenya yeah. in terms of its public debt. But at the moment the multilateral institutions seem to be giving it the impression of sustainability.
0: Okay. So the other thing we want to talk about, George, I want to bring you in, is economic recovery. When the the budget was read out, PwC and Kepsa and others came out with this response, and I want to read it out for everyone. A trilemma in revenue mobilization was noted since individuals and businesses want cushioning from government, though they do not want to pay any supplementary taxes and additionally do not want their government to borrow at the same time time, the government needs to source additional resources to cater for uh, social demands of the nation. In order to alleviate the aforementioned trilemma, the Treasury should have assessed the enormity of the impact of COVID, including emergency measures on citizens, businesses, and the economy, and the government's physical position. National Treasury should evaluate the fiscal space available for continued priority spending and recovery measures and the government's financing needs against its ability to raise revenue without hurting businesses and citizens any further. In summary, the response is saying that we've taken on a lot of debt, we are heavily uh, subsidized by foreign investment, businesses are feeling the pressure, individuals are feeling the pressure, and the government needs also to cater for COVID-19 and its response to that. All of that, us going into elections next year. How can we balance this trilemma of issues in a sustainable way? All of this is very well written. What does it mean uh, in reality?
2: Yeah, I mean, I start with a question by Titus, that obviously I'm not I'm an economist, <laughs> but I do observe some of these things. I think even from a policy perspective, it must be a very big dilemma for the government because what economists will tell you is that if the economy is going through a difficult uh, spell, you know, like we are, and even before COVID, we were already seeing indications of, uh, of, of stress. COVID obviously didn't make matters any better. Usually economists will tell you during that time, spend in the economy. The government should leave a lot of money in the economy or spend a lot of money within the economy. Yeah. So that you can spur economic growth and you know productivity and so on and so forth. Yeah. That is on one hand. So that is a prescription from the economists. But on the other hand, we are we've just been talking about the question about the sustainability of the debt. So what then do you do in a situation whereby you're caught in between a rock and a hard place yeah. where you can't really borrow so much? On the other hand, you can't really tax people so much so that you can then spend within the economy. Yeah. So we must appreciate that there is that fiscal dilemma that mm-hmm. the government has. Mm-hmm. But then I was also encouraged to see that, uh, you know, in terms of The things that government is looking at beyond taxing and borrowing, there are other avenues that uh, government is is looking at to try and uh, ease the pressure. For example, I think tied to the IMF uh, credit facility, there was this uh, requirement for for the government to look very hard at the state corporations, yeah. which have been one of the places where money has been has been going in.
0: The like the it, two it, billion shillings. You know, did.
2: The billions that have been going into you know various state corporations mm-hmm. without necessarily naming them. Yeah, uh, and I think there is a need to have a hard look at those institutions. We did have a, a state corporations reform. A report done yeah. in twenty thirteen. It was very comprehensive. No, no, it was done by task force that was set up by the president. Okay. Very comprehensive, touching on each one of the parastatals and, and and recommending uh, steps that should be taken to to reform them. Some of them to merge them. Some of them yeah. to, to restructure them in one way or the other. I think that's that's a potential avenue that that could be looked at so that we don't then don't don't keep throwing good money after bad yes. uh, in okay. these this para- Okay, And I think other initiatives that perhaps should be considered around how can we control the spend okay. you know, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, the size of government and, and things like that yeah. also need to be looked at so that it's not just a question of tax and borrowing.
0: Yeah, controlling the spend as well. Absolutely. But um, Titus, just to go back to this election year and the effect of that, will the budget be able to be realized and then what happens if it's not? What is the outlook? What do you predict?
1: yeah so i totally agree with you jerry that number one i think also we need to say it's not just an election year it's a transition year exactly so which even raises the stakes even higher yeah i think what's critical for us is that in the next six months we need to realize our tax collection revenues in the next six months to December because I think starting January next year, you know, things will become more difficult for us in Mm -hmm. terms of investment and people holding back on investments and also just people holding back on spending and and, and so forth and making big decisions, which then could have that ripple effect in terms of revenue collection. So these next six months are very critical because if we are behind budget Uh, if the collection targets are behind in the next six months, it then again means that we will definitely... There is a high probability that the whole year we are going to again not meet the collection targets and and with the ripple effect that, that that will cause. So I would also say that, remember, there's also maybe there could be some also, I I tend to try and look at uh, some of the bright aspects that may be in the horizon. And remember that if we could get our vaccination campaign up, if we could get that vaccination campaign accelerated in the second half of this calendar year yeah, mm-hmm. then that would also release a lot of pent up demand in terms of businesses if everybody gets back to
0: work offices, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: everybody you know the curfew is lifted and we go back to uh, normal, normal by yeah. December that can also release quite a bit of pent up mm. demand and if without vaccination and the vaccination from our main tourist markets means that tourism uh, goes back to yes, normal yes. then and that again would inject quite a significant amount of funds yeah. again. but again you know obviously all this is going to take time to then flow down to the business flow down into, exactly. you, into taxes and yeah. collections yeah. And, and so forth so it's not something that would happen in, instantaneously but uh, so hoping that some of that may help to us. Yeah
0: but basically the, what you're saying is that it's dependent on so many factors and factors outside of our control really. Absolutely. For example the vaccine we're relying on india india is not is behind in its manufacturing and the whole world is suffering as a result of that so i think it's, it's a very uncertain time I wanted to focus George on now the work that me and you do and have done before and um, we're looking at a June budget and it looks as if or it seems as if every time a new kind of uh, business opportunity crops up the government is quick to then reinforce its taxes in that sector so I was talking about digital tax for example which Titus has very well outlined for us the differences but the reality is that businesses are struggling there will be restructuring needed some will go into administration some in liquidation what are you predicting for this year is it a is it this year or is it a next year uh, after the election effect do you think
2: yeah in terms of the impact of the tax measures yes I think one observe one can't help observing when you look at the 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 tax measures that are put in place that there's an inconsistency between what you know the, the laws are saying about the need to try and turn around businesses Save jobs and so on and so forth. For example, if you look at the Insolvency Act, it really tries to prioritize saving businesses and saving yeah. jobs. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, when you look at some of the tax measures, and I'll give a few examples. Yes. Let's talk about minimum tax. Yes. You're in a situation where where you're trying to restructure a business that is uh, struggling, and then you find yourself in a situation where where you're supposed to be trying to cut costs. You now have to pay a tax on the turnover of the business which is already struggling so that type of a measure of course is you know doesn't it's not helpful uh, yeah recovery Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. another measure that i saw it didn't really come into place in this uh, budget it was in 2020 there used to be an exemption of VAT on sale of businesses as a going concern yes so if for Mm -hmm. example a failing business Mm -hmm. was was brought to me as a restructuring expert i packaged it so that i can sell it together with its all undertaking all the employees and so on and so forth to another party who can then run it and save jobs and all that yeah we wouldn't have to pay VAT on that transaction now that exemption has already been lifted i was hoping that given how businesses have, have suffered, but that's a kind of a, an exemption that would have been restored. We, yeah. we didn't see that happening. Mm-hmm. We also saw uh, something like uh, this thin cap regulation whereby basically you cannot have uh, an exemption of your taxes uh, beyond a third of your EBITDA. Yeah. Now the kind of business that is distressed is the exact type of business that is going to find itself in a situation whereby the interest cost is significant Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also on the other hand, the EBITDA is, is, is very much reduced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you find that the business that will be hit the hardest by that type of a measure, again, Is the one that's a already that suffering. That is, uh, suffering yeah. that is undergoing a restructure. Yeah. And that obviously then makes it less attractive even from uh, providers mm-hmm. of capital when they look at the the, the cash flow uh, or income generating profile of that company. So we, we do see tax measures that are not consistent with the stated objective of say the Companies and Insolvency Law. Yeah. Trying, yeah. To, save trying to save businesses and to keep businesses yeah. going. Let me
0: ask you because PwC is at the forefront. The first question is what are you doing to have these discussions with government and lobby to make sure that some of these changes are coming to fruition secondly when the budget is read when is uh, and the finance committee debates it etc when is the definitive date for which we will know which measures have been adopted and which ones have not Titus
1: well if I take your second question yeah financial year end Mm -hmm. ends on 30th of June on 1st of July we should be having a new finance act okay but obviously, you know, you've got to take into account that parliament has to pass it and the president signs it when, well, you know, all in the next couple of days.
0: This is in five days time.
1: Exactly. So Mm -hmm. that needs to be done in the next five days. Mm -hmm. You probably might find that it might be signed a couple of days after 1st of July, but you know, with the start date being 1st of July. Okay, fine. So Mm -hmm. we expect, you know, in the next couple of days or in the next week or so, we should have this finance act in place. The point is if the finance act should start on 1st of July.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So in terms of our conversations, we do give a lot of technical input. The Treasury has been very open in terms of inviting a lot of important stakeholders and not only ourselves, not, <laughs> PwC. not <laughs> only <laughs> PwC, mm-hmm. you know, from eSpark to LSK to Kepsa to KAM to the other big four account yeah, mm-hmm. They are very open and, and they always do invite us uh, to give our views on that. And then when we come to the Finance Committee at Parliament again, they do a fantastic job in terms of trying to get a very wide range of views from all sorts of people. Yeah. Obviously everybody, (laughs) everybody who goes there is asking to... For For
0: their own things, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I always feel sorry for them because they have to listen to, you know, all all sorts of stakeholders saying, please Mm -hmm. help me here, Mm -hmm. please help me here. But they do also a very fantastic job in terms of trying to connect a whole wide range of views. And because, you know, the fact that they have to do this in a very short period of time. Yeah get wrapped wrap their heads around that I think it, it's a very difficult job I think and sometimes I feel we don't get enough time to really have that interaction proper interaction to be able maybe to say that actually no this this may look like it's a it's, it's, it's a positive revenue raising measure but actually in the long term it's not, it's not yeah.
0: But I think the the solution would be to have the discussions prior to the the, the announcement of the budget, as opposed to just trying to get the changes done I mean, um, that's, in that that's one yeah. month period or yeah. whatever. And and the
1: process has become better, mm. uh, but yeah, definitely I think there could be certain aspects that uh, could can definitely be improved. Yeah. In the process. Mm-hmm. But I think in such processes, it will always be down to the wire. I think. Yeah. You know, it's like how you try and prepare for your exam and say next time I will. Be so well <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. find yourself, yeah. you know, studying your notes oh. on the
0: last day yeah. outside the exam room. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but, but, go go but surely no lawyer would do that. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about administration because the reality is we're talking about a difficult year. Administration and liquidation have got very negative connotations to them for businesses. But it's not always a bad thing, is it, George? Well, look, I think maybe I would say liquidation is.
2: It's a sad thing because reputation, of course, is is the end of the company's life. Yeah. uh, back to our analogy of a person. Or the corpse. (laughs) Uh, The death is bad news. Yeah. But administration is not uh, because administration uh, is effectively uh, a legal mechanism which has been uh, put in place to help restructure viable businesses. So essentially, the whole idea is that uh, if you cannot be, be in a position to restructure your affairs with your stakeholders outside of a legal framework, you know, the way you would negotiate with your with your creditors, then the court provides you a framework whereby you have a moratorium which prevents people from being able to then come and start attaching your assets and so on and so forth. And therefore gives you room to work with a specialist to come up with a plan. Yeah. Put it before your creditors. If it's approved, it's implemented. That is the first objective of an administration, which is effectively to restructure the business and
0: keep it and revive it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And
2: if you can't, steal, there's a better, there's another objective, which is to say, okay, can we then save this business, mm-hmm. package this business, and then you know we sell it uh, as a going concern to another, yeah. another you know provider.
0: Hopefully capital. with the
2: VAT 0 Yeah, <laughs> Can, can get exempted, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, you see, it, it's a better outcome than, than liquidation. Of course, liquidation is when the business is not viable, yeah, and, and there's a place for liquidation as well because uh, you may have heard uh, you know talk about these zombie businesses, yeah. A zombie business is basically a company that just operates for the sake of you know just paying its costs, it can't pay its loans, it can't grow, and so on and so forth. So now, such companies. know ought to be liquidated because to continue throwing capital at such companies is is destroying value yeah
0: and also not not encouraging the market to believe in the businesses that are actually sustainable
2: absolutely so a concept of creative Mm destruction where if you keep allocating money into businesses which are not viable Mm -hmm. then you are depriving
0: other viable ideas from uh, surviving yeah yeah then
2: obviously can itself uh, yeah. 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 Completely so, I mean, understood. Liquidation mm-hmm. does have a positive yeah. Uh, yeah. A purpose, mm-hmm. but of course, if, if you're the one who's the the subject or target of a liquidation, then of course, it's not uh, necessarily good news. But from an economic perspective, it is.
0: Uh, I want to wrap this up thank you so much you guys you have given us a lot of information and a lot of very important information what advice uh, George for you would you give as your final word to businesses that are currently stretched apart from come and see me or email me <laughs> after
2: yeah the, fight, the quick advice would be act now to
0: yeah. cover. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and the reason we say that is that a lot of businesses have got some bit of window for the, whole, for the for the most part of last year because banks gave moratoriums, gave reliefs and so on and so forth. But that didn't mean that the underlying problems did not continue to grow. So, for example, if you had a business that had a lot of debt, the fact that it didn't pay the debt for a whole year simply means that now it's, it's a lot just a more delay. Yeah. and maybe its uh, income has reduced. So, it's very important to act quickly assess the 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 challenges that you have and be open about the options that are that are available Available. including the options like administration which we just talked about okay
0: and titus what would you say is your final word for um this year um for businesses and individuals Yeah,
1: so I think um, there have been actually positive steps in the budget. As I said, I've seen the Finance Committee is going to reject the attempt to increase the look-back period to seven -hmm. seven years and and keep that at five years. So I think there are some positive aspects to that. I think also we just need to take into account that compliance issues are going to increase. We now have country-by-country reporting, which is another compliance issue that's going to be coming in so compliance is still going to be extremely important for businesses and so you should keep that in mind and we should probably continue to expect to see a bit of activity from KRA in terms of audits and in terms of engagement yeah Mm -hmm. I call them engagements
0: (laughs) not (laughs) audits
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that people would see it differently and then this my hope is that obviously that KRA you know we don't have this sort of knee jack reaction where we say we are behind budget go out let's spread out and find money
0: mm, mm. And
1: start kind of putting businesses under yeah. undue pressure and stress i think we still have to approach all of this in a very reasonable and and same way okay to try and uh, keep the the economy going
0: going okay yeah all right well thank you so much you guys you have been so brilliant titus and george uh, pwc um, they've given us a lot of information Uh, i will leave their, their details for you guys to get in contact if anything then see you guys next month